a long week for us. All right, we're glad you're here. We are headed this morning in Joshua chapter 4, and, and let me kind of give you a little bit of background so you know what, what's going on here. Um, basically, we're going we're gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna talk about this and tie it into the last two weeks, and then next week I'm going to do something different, and then we'll have three weeks of Christmas stuff, and then we'll do a New Year's thing, and then we'll get back to Nehemiah. All right, so first of the year, we'll jump back to Nehemiah. Until then, we're going to, and by the way, those of you who are worried that I'm going to walk off, there's a, there's a rail right here, so when my toe hits that, I know my wife is like, I'm so worried you're going to just like fall off the platform. Um, and then we're going to put a little board on there, so then I get two spots before I step off. So don't worry about me. Uh, if I do go forward, there's enough space here. You guys are all good, all right? Uh, <laughs> Wow, and it's a lot to get used to, believe me. Uh, but anyway, so uh, that's where we're headed. Um, uh, two weeks ago, I talked about the idea of, uh, of things that change, and we talked about tennis shoes, um, dealing with the past. Last week, we talked about things that shouldn't change, dealing with the present and where we are. And this week, I want to talk about the future, and I want to talk about how you honor the past as you take it forward into the future, but you don't um, get to the point that, 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 that the past is your focus. Um, and, and, and so we want to talk about that because there's, a, there's an interesting principle, and I, I, I mentioned it last week just in talking, and I went back and I looked at my notes and I realized, you know, it's been about three or four years since I've talked about this, and, and so I want to spend some time this morning going back through this because it's an important principle as we go forward in our lives, Okay. Um, last week, you heard me mention, we, everybody that was here, we filled out a name tag, and I put it on the wall back there. And uh, we're going to add, hopefully, I'm going to add the ad that we had and, and two other things on that wall, and then we're going to cover it up, Lord willing, this week. Um, but I talked about the idea of stones of remembrance, and, and I use that term often, and, and I want to make sure we all understand the principles behind that and what that's all about, because it's an Old Testament concept, and it's a New Testament concept, and I think it's an important life concept for us. Um, so I'm going to read a passage, we're going to talk about it, and then I'm going to apply the passage, and then we're going to apply it to our own lives as well. So um, it, it, it's found in a number of places in Scripture. It's found in Proverbs, talks about it, uh, Jeremiah talks about it, but Joshua's the one I'm going to look at this morning. Here's what it said. Here, here's the thing. The children of Israel are about ready to go into the promised land. Okay? They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses has died off, and, and they're getting ready to cross the, the Jordan River into the promised land. Here's what it says. And it came to pass. When all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place wherein the priest's feet stood. And you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. And he goes on. Yeah, we're just going to read the whole passage, guys. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said unto them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when we crossed over the Jordan, and the waters were cut off. And these stones shall be for memorial for the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded. They took twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them there. 
And then it goes on. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in a place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Now, again, you've got to realize, okay, the water's been pulled back, and, you know, I, I imagine if it's like, okay, it's your turn to go, you're not like, uh, you know, maybe it's going to crash. So they buzz across pretty quick. Notice what it says. And then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, the ark of the Lord and the priest crossed over in the presence of the people. So that's the story. Now let me walk you through it so uh, we're, we're all on the same page with it. What happens is the children of Israel are getting ready to cross. The priests have, have gone down and stepped into it. The water has parted. And the priests are waiting, and so Joshua, God commands Joshua to do two things. Number one, they are to go to the middle of the River Jordan, and they are to pick up a rock, put it on their shoulder, take it over to the shore, and, and make a pile of rocks. So when it's all said and done, you're going to have 12 rocks piled up there. And then Joshua takes 12 rocks, and he piles them in the middle of the, uh, in the, middle of the Jordan River. And what happens then is, everybody walks across, then the priests are the last ones to go across, they go across, and then the waters cover it all up. And there are two markers. There is a public marker, which is on the bank, and there's a private marker, which is in the middle of the river that nobody ever sees. So you have this principle in the book of Joshua of this idea of um, stones of remembrance, if you, if you want to call it that. That's what... Um, that's, a, that's kind of a common idea behind this principle. And the idea was that we are going to have a private marker and we're going to have a public marker. And those are to serve a purpose as the children of Israel went forward in their lives. Um, and we're going to see that and, and we're going to see some reasons for that. And then we're going to try to apply it to our lives and, and, and to us as a church here to kind of help you understand. The reason we have that wall back there is that's a private marker. Because you see... And a little bit, we're going to cover it all up. Nobody's ever going to see it again. Um, I took a picture of it, and we might show the picture from time to time. But the bottom line is, that's something that we know about. It's, it's a private thing. It's a quiet thing. It's not a public thing. Um, and, in the, and, 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 and the idea here is that as you go forward in life, there you have these private markers, these private stones, these private memorials in your life as well as public ones and he walks through what why in this in this passage and will help to understand it so uh, with that in mind let's talk a little bit about it Um, one of the things that these markers do is they help you first of all with the past Um, if you haven't figured this out yet then first of all you're very young because as you get older what you learn is that you tend to forget and um, we tend to forget things. And as the older you get, the more life you've experienced, so the more there is to forget. Uh, but the reality of it is there's this tendency for all of us as we go through life to forget. In fact, for some of you, um, I don't, you know, for some of you who are social media people and you're on Facebook, you notice what Facebook does every so often after you've been on for a while? On this day, so many years ago, you did, this was your post. When, you, when that happens, what does it do in your heart and in your mind? All of a sudden you go, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And you remember 
And sometimes it's like, I can't believe I posted that. That was pretty stupid. Or sometimes you sit there and you go, or you remember and you go, oh yeah, you know what? That was a great, that was a great memory for me. And I'm glad I was reminded of that. You see, markers help us do that. Memorials help us do that. Stones of, of, of remembrance help us do that. It, it, it helps us as we look back a little bit. Because you see, what, 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 Moses, or what Joshua did is he puts the, this pile of stones up on the bank. And he's going to be able to use it in the present as they teach the kids. But to the children of Israel, as they stood there and they looked at that pile of stone, they, they remembered that this is where the water just went, and that was, that, was, that was all dry out there. We walked across. We walked between the water. Um, Gilgal, this, this was a very, very special place to the children of Israel. So as they, as they would go by and go about the routine and maybe walk by there in the future, it would be a reminder that this was a special place. This was a change in leadership for him. For 40 years, these guys had followed Moses. And now all of a sudden, they're following this guy by the name of Joshua, this young guy. And it's a reminder that, you know what? I mean, it, it, it was at this point that our leadership changed. Our leadership went a different direction. We, we took a whole different deal where now we're following a younger guy rather than an older guy. It was a reminder, this, 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 this pile of stones was a reminder that God had been with them. And when they were faced up against the insurmountable, how are we going to get all these people across this river? God said, I'll step in and do something. And you see, that, that's kind of what stones of remembrance, that's kind of what those markers do in our lives, um, is they remind us. They remind us of how God has worked in the past, what God has done in the past. Because we have a tendency to forget. You know, we have a tendency to forget when we go through a crisis. Um, you know, this is something that's gotten my wife and I through many a situation where we've not known, you know, we've gotten discouraged or we've gotten focused on something. And, and, and there's times my wife will tell you, I'll look at her and say, let me ask you something. In all of our years together, which is what, 30, I don't know, I'm going to get in trouble now. It's 30, what? 34 in the end of the month. Wow. <laughs> I say, wow, because I can't believe she hasn't killed me at this point. But, um, uh, you know, in 34 years, I said, have we, ever not, have we ever watched God not take care of us? I mean, God's got 34 years invested in us. God's not going to walk away. We might. God's not going to walk away. And I say, you know, we've watched God come up against so many different things over, over the years. Why would he do that with us now? He's right there. We just got to realize that. And we have to try to see him in the midst of all of the stuff that's going on. And, and I think that's so important because the markers remind you of what God's done. And when the children of Israel would walk by and they'd see this pile of stones, and it was, I, I don't know, what do they call those things in, in Alaska where they make those little, what? Inukchuk? Really? Okay. <laughs> They got these things all over Alaska, and you've seen them. You know, they're like these stones that are piled up and stuff like that. And when you see one, you go, oh, somebody, what do you, somebody put it there. That's not natural. That is something that's different. And, and that was the idea. When the children of Israel would walk by and they would see that pile of stones, the, the kids would go, Mom, Dad, what's that? And that, that brings you to the second idea behind these stones. What was the purpose of the stone? The purpose of the stones in the present was to teach people about what God had done. 
particularly the children. And the kids will go, Mom, Dad, what's that big pile of stones over there? That's different. That's unique. And Mom and Dad say, hey, kids, let tell you what, come here. Let's just sit down for a minute. Let me tell you what happened at this place. See, I was there. And, and we had been following this guy, Moses, who you've read about and you've heard about. And we've been following him for years, and, 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 and he passed away. And then this guy, Joshua, he was going to, Joshua, you know, the, they're like, you mean the Joshua that's leading us down? Yeah, the Joshua's leading us down. We got to the river, and it was all flooded, and, it was, and we couldn't get across, and God just parted the whole thing. And those 12 stones, see those 12 stones right there? All those stones, they came from the middle of the river. How'd you get them out of the middle of the river? We got them out of the middle of the river because the river parted, and it was all dry down there. And you know what? There's 12 stones in the middle of the river, too. And that's what God did for us here. And kids, it was so exciting to watch God work. And you know what? God's still working, kids. And they were able to use it to teach their children. Here's one of the dangers of second, third, fourth, fifth generation Christian. I'm a product of probably fifth generation Christian. You know, or my kids are. I mean, you know, we've, I was brought up in a Christian family. My parents were brought up in a Christian family. We, we've been surrounded by it our, our, our life. And one of the problems is it doesn't become personal to our kids. And one of the problems is our kids don't know the stories. Because, see, we've stopped telling the stories. Um, one of the, you know, I, I, I love the media that we have available to us today. I'm, I'm not one of those anti-media people. I mean, I love the idea that that I can watch pretty much whatever I want to watch whenever I want to watch it, you know. Because I remember, you know, if you wanted to go see a movie, you had to wait till it came out in the theater and stand in line. And then, you know, you might, you know, now it's like, I mean, they put it on streaming and everything else, and you can have access to these, you know, all of this stuff. But one of the things that's happened in, in, in the course of that is we've lost the art of storytelling. We've lost the art of reading to our children. Parents, can I say this, those of you who have young kids? Those of you who are grandparents, there's nothing better you could do than read to your kids. I mean, they need to hear, you know, um, I love it, you know. Um, I love it when I can do a funeral and, and, and I find out that the grandparents or their parents read to those kids and, and would do voices and make it fun and all of those kinds of things. But we've lost that art of, of storytelling. And we've lost the art of sitting down with our kids and telling them our story. You know? And we wonder, well, how come, how come Jesus and God isn't real to our children? And, and part of it is because we haven't shared with them what God has done in our lives. We haven't shared with them our stories. We haven't shared with them our markers, our memorials. And so they get this idea of <clears throat> our world is such a perfect world and, and my parents, you know, they don't ever fight, and they, they've never had a struggle, and, and then all of a sudden they get married, and they find out, oh, it's a struggle, because we've never been, when, when I'm doing marriage counseling for a young couple getting ready to get married, one of my questions is, how did your parents fight? Now, you know, you're like, oh, they, you, you talk to my kids about that? Yeah, I talk to your kids about that. Um, you know, how did, how did your parents fight? You know the couples that scared them the most? Oh, my parents never fought. I'm like, well, yes, they did. You just never saw it. And that's dangerous because you know why it's dangerous? Because they're going into marriage thinking that 
couples don't ever have disagreements. You know, I mean, my kids saw my wife and I fight. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, you know, it was a good, but I mean, they saw us resolve conflict. They saw us do that. We, you have to be honest and open about those kinds of things. But one of the things that's so dangerous in our culture is that we have, we have raised a group of kids who, they don't know our stories. They don't know how God's worked. And one of the things that you see is as they go forward, it really starts to shape and help you as you struggle in the future. Because you see, here's what was going to happen with the children of Israel. They were told this was a land flowing with milk and honey and everything was going to be good. And they got into this land and they found out that, you know what, we have to fight for some of the stuff that we, we want. It's not going to be quite as easy as we thought. And that marker was a nice memorial for them to remember, wait a minute, God's taking care of us. God took care of us for 40 years in the wilderness. God led us out of Egypt. God helped us cross the Jordan. God's going to take care of us here in this land. And it was a reminder to them going forward in the future of how God works. And so as you look at it, you see these kinds of, of things. So let's just talk about us for a minute. I think there's a couple of things that are important for us. Um, one is this idea that we establish those stones of remembrance. I mean, think about your life for a minute. What were the three, just pick three, three pivotal points in your life? Three turning points. Three events or situations or circumstances that molded and shaped you into who you are. You know, I look at my own life. You know, one, of course, was my salvation. Um, I have a, a, a stone of remembrance, if you would, in that. Um, I was a teenager. I still have the Bible that I had as a teenager. Um, when I put my faith and trust in Christ, and, and I wrote the date in the front of that Bible. Now, if I lose my Bible, I still have my salvation, okay? I'm good with that, all right? I'm not trusting the Bible, for it, but, but it's a reminder to me. And once in a while for a funeral, when I'm reminding people about life and death and talking about things of eternity, that's the Bible I'll carry with me into the pulpit. That's the Bible I'll take to the graveside. Um, it's a memorial. It's a reminder. It's a, it's a stone of remembrance for me of what God did. Another big event in my life was my, uh, my marriage. You know, because A, that she said yes. Um, you know, that was a, you know, that was amazing enough for me. Um, and, and it was life changing for us. Um, because, you know, I, I can be a little hard to live with at times. I know that surprises you, but, um, you know, um, you know, and she said yes. And now this is my, it's my third wedding ring, I think. I think fourth, this is my fourth wedding ring. Um, I, I, I know some of you don't wear a wedding ring. I, I wear a, uh, a wedding ring. It's a reminder. It's a reminder to me. Um, this one that I have now, I, I got this summer and kind of became even more special. Um, we were in uh, South Dakota, and uh, we, there was an art jewelry guy there, and he, he takes silver dollars and makes rings out of them. You can actually see dates and everything else in it. Well, I got this, and, and I, was, I was debating on whether or not to get it, because the one I had was, um, it kept shrinking. So um, <laughs> it was fitting tighter and tighter. 
couldn't get it off as often. So I thought, well, I need to get one that's, that's a little more size-wise. So anyway, and so I'm debating about it, and then my wife tells me the story. She said, you know the story about my dad, don't you? And I said, no, what? And she's probably told me before, I just forgot it. But she said, when my dad got engaged to my mom, he didn't have any money. So he took an old, what, nickel and pounded it in into an engagement ring for her and made her an engagement ring. And it's at that point, I'm like, that's what I want right there. I said, that's the ring that I want. That's just a reminder. It's just a reminder to me of how good God has been in giving me a great wife. Um, I would like to tell you that the next pivotal point in my life was the birth of my children, but it wasn't. Um, I mean, I'm excited. Josh, we celebrated Josh's birthday yesterday. I mean, I'm excited for my children and stuff like that, but that's how it was. It was a paper that I wrote in college, working on a master's degree. And I have it. It's in my, de- it's in my office. Um, from time to time, I'll take it out and read it. But it was basically an evaluation of my life. It was a counseling class, and you were supposed to look at your own life and evaluate whether or not, you know, what you would say to yourself if you were walked into a counselor's office. And I had done an analysis of my life. I put everything into one of three categories, um, family, work, or personal. And when I was done, I realized how much time I was spending at work. And I called the professor and said, I need more time because my data's wrong. And I collected data for another two months on how much time I was spending at work. And I realized that um, this was the sum of the whole paper. If this person walked into my office, I would tell them to quit their career because if they continued the way they were going, they'll be divorced in five years. And I had written my own future. And so I went to my senior pastor at the time and I said, uh, can't keep doing this. I, I need to stop. I need to get some things in line. I need to get some priorities straightened out with my wife. And at the time, Josh was six months old. Or, no, Josh had just been born, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me make you a suggestion. When your wife is pregnant and about ready to be due, don't call her up and say you quit your job. Um, <laughs> but I, I had to. If I was going to make it, I knew. And, and that was a pivotal point in my life. It was a pivotal point in my life. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. The most miserable time I've ever had in my life. But you know what? God used it to shape and mold and change me. And it was a turning point. And I came from a home where my dad was a workaholic. And, and I, I own it. Um, I can go, I have very easy for me to go down that road. I like running 100 miles an hour, 100 different ways. That's just the way I am. But... I realized that if I kept going, so that became, so that paper actually is a, it's a marker, it's a memorial for me. It's a reminder of the past. It's a reminder of the present. It's a reminder of where I don't want to go. And it's a painful reminder. You know, it's a painful reminder, but yet it's a helpful reminder. It's just like going to a graveside, you know. I mean, there, there, there's a part of going to a graveside that's incredibly painful, because you, re, you, you remember the, the finality of that loss. But there's also a side of it that's helpful because you remember how much you were given. And, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what the memorials do. That's what the markers do. I want to encourage you. 
as, as, as we're heading into the holiday season, you're going to have a lot of opportunity to be with family. And some of that's good and some of that's bad. I get all that, all right? You're going to have an opportunity to be with people. I want to encourage you between now and all of that time when all of that starts to happen to really sit down and look at your life and say, what are the, what are the stones remember? What are the markers that shape me in my life? And then I want to challenge you to take it one step further. Use them to teach that something. Use it to shape people. Use it to sit down and tell them your story. See, I think that's what we forget to do. We've gotten away from that as Christians. We've got away from telling our stories. We've got away from telling people how God has worked. One of the things when we did this building thing that was so important to me was that the community know the story. I wanted the community to know, you know what? Every other church that builds goes and has a big capital campaign and they take out a loan and they, they make pledge drives and they ask people for money. I want, the, I want the whole community to know, you know what? Even though that's the way most other people do it, it's not the way we did it. I want people to know, we did the work. We did the work because we like being together. We did the work because we learned to work together. I want them to know that. I want them to know the story. Missions is important to us. So any money that came in went to the mission field. I want them to know that. Why? Because the world, and you've heard it, those of you who have told people the story here, what response do you get? I can't believe that. And I'm able to turn around and say, and they go, oh, that's amazing that you guys did that. And I'm saying, oh, time out. It's not what we did. It's what God allowed us to do. God's the one who did it all because we went against everything everybody else does. I wanted them to know the story. Why? Because when they know the story, they can start to see my God. And that's so important. That's what those memorials are for. As we go forward here, one of the things that we're going to do is we have two things that we're going to bring out that nobody here has seen, well, most of us have never seen for 17 years. We left the old building, there were a couple things we took. One is there was an old bell up in the tower, and, and we almost killed people taking it down, but we got it down. Um, yeah, that's a sketchy thing. That, there's, a, there's an OSHA thing for you. Yeah, um, yeah, there's an OSHA, okay, this is what not to do. Um, and it ended up in Earl's garage. Earl would really like to get rid of it out of his garage. We were originally going to put it out there, but then Eli did the scout project out here, so we're going to put it out here come spring, summer, and stuff like that, as a reminder. Used to be every Sunday we, we started church, we'd ring the bell. Now, I don't know if we'll do that again, because the bell it could be rung from inside. And in December, you know, there's not going to be a lot of volunteers. Ooh, let me go outside and ring the bell. Uh, you know, it's 20 below. Yeah, I want to ring it. Uh, but, you know, we're going to bring the old bell out. And in the front of the church, there was a cross that a bunch of people have made, put up. And uh, it's sitting in a storage shed. I don't know, we don't know what kind of condition, but we're going to bring it out. We're going to do something with it. Um, everybody's like, oh, you're good. You're going to put something up here. No, I don't know. Yeah. I know you want to decorate this place, but time out, okay? We got, we got to kind of ease into that, okay? Because we got to make sure the screens are going to work, because if we go put nail holes up here, and then we got to patch it, and then we got to buy a screen, and we got to, so, so we just kind of want to leave this blank for a while. We'll get to it. 
all right? We'll get to it. Um, some of you are like, oh, I can't wait to hang stuff up there. Um, give it some time, okay? We're going to do something with that cross because we want it as a reminder of this is what God has done. This is where God has brought us. It's not about those who are the best days of the ministry. I never believed that the best days of ministry are behind us. I've always believed the best days of the ministry are in front of us. But it's about remembering what God has done here. And it's about being able to tell you the stories. It's about being able to tell you how God provided a steeple over there and, and windows and how God over and over again just provided all kinds of things here for us. It's about telling you the stories. It's about sharing with our kids. And I, I want to challenge you because I think, and, and I want to talk, particularly some of you older folks, Some of you don't think you have value anymore. But let me explain this to you. When you go, the stories go with you if you've never shared them with anybody. And you have the last part of the end of your life to start sharing this incredible amount of wisdom. And you go, oh, kids don't want to listen to that. I don't care if they want to listen to it or not. They need to hear it. Okay? And here's what you're going to find. They actually will appreciate and enjoy it more than you think. Tell them about your first car. Okay? Because, see, they go through magazines and see people that have these cars and restored, and they're going, oh, that's, that, that was like worth, worth a lot of money. Not when I had it, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, first car I ever bought was a 1976 Nova. You know? Like, oh. That's like a muscle car. No, it was a Johnny Cash car. <laughs> and the reason it's a Johnny Cash car is it came out of Michigan. If you don't know anything about Michigan, here's what Michigan does. They don't, they don't plow roads, they just throw salt on them. <laughs> so literally, you could sit in this car, you could look down between your legs, and you could see the pavement. It had been T-boned at some point. So that car actually, if it drove through snow, there were four sets of tracks. Because <laughs> it drove down the road like this. On it. You know, I have kids like, you know, oh, it'd be so cool to have a Nova. No, you didn't want this Nova. Okay. Bought it for 50 bucks, sold it for like 170. It was awesome. Uh, Bought it for 50 bucks because it was going to the junkyard. But I'm able to tell kids, you know what? But that's how God provided. I didn't have a car. I needed a car. And a guy down the hall from me said, hey, I'm driving mine to the junkyard. I called the junkyard. I said, hey, I said, a guy's willing to sell me the car. A guy said, can you drive it in here? I said, yeah. He said, it drives. He said, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can drive it in here. So I went down the hall and I said, hey, I'll save you a trip to the junkyard. I'll give you 50 bucks for it. He said, yeah. Drove that car for over a year. Um, and God took care of it. And believe me, God took care of it because it should not have been on the road. All right? Uh, it shouldn't have been on the road. But I've watched God provide over and over and over again. And to share the stories with my kids and one day my grandkids. They're stones of remembrance. And we've got to get, if we, as we go forward, we don't want to relive the past, but we want to tell the stories of the past. We want to set up those markers. And we want our kids to learn how to establish those markers. That's what's so important for us. And as we go forward as a church, we want our kids to know the stories here. And we want to help them create more stories here. And we want to create more stories here of how God has worked. 
And, and I just want to encourage you, because I think one of the things that happens as we go forward is we forget. We forget. I said this is a New Testament concept. It is. When Jesus gets ready to leave the earth, there's two things that he institutes for people to continue to do. One is baptism. He says, I want you to put your faith and trust in me. And then, that's a private thing. No one can do that for you. That's your thing and God's thing. Where you personally put your faith and trust in Christ. That's a private thing. But there's a public marker for that too. We call it baptism. Where I publicly stand in front of people and baptize and say, I want everyone to know this. This is my public marker, so to speak. We believe just like salvation, it's a one-time thing. You get saved once, you get baptized once. And then... Jesus said, there's one other thing I want you to do as a memorial, as a marker. I want you to celebrate communion. And every week, that's what we do here. Every week, we take time and remind ourselves with two markers. A little wafer reminding us of his body, which was shed for us. And a little cup of juice as a reminder of his blood, or his body, which was given, his blood, which was shed for us. See, this idea of Stones of remembrance, markers, memorials. It's important. It's important. And Jesus said, and the thing I love about communion is it's one of the few things in the Bible you get to do here that you don't do in heaven. Because in heaven we're with Christ. We don't need to be reminded of his body and his blood which we shed for us. He's there in front of us all the time. But here... Here, we get to celebrate that memorial, that marker. And so I just want to challenge you this week in your own life. Take some time. Sit back and ask yourself. God, what are the two, three, four, five, whatever it is, whatever number you want to come up with, what are the pivotal points in which God worked in your life in an incredible way? What do you, use to, what do you have to remind yourself of those? And then teach them to somebody else. I end this way. I end with this pass with just simply this challenge. I gotta find it. Here it is. We seek to honor the past, but not live in it. As we journey through life, we establish markers or stones of remembrance to celebrate and to remember what God has done. And we use those markers to teach others who are coming behind us so that they also can honor God with their lives. Let's do that this week, as you have opportunity this holiday season. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, for some who may not have put their faith and trust in Christ, would you help them to understand how important it is that, Lord, they understand that they cannot earn or buy or purchase or get to heaven on their own. Lord, may each person here have that personal relationship with you, a decision that only they can make. And Lord, may each of us, as we go through our lives, think about the the public markers, the public things that we have watched you do. And Lord, may you be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. And Lord, may the world, as they look at us, see Christ. And may they come to know you as well. And we thank you for the privilege of sharing our stories with those around us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand.